Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's Friday wrap again. Uh, David here, part one of your co-host, uh, Spark Your Fire. And um, as we always take turns, i got to say, <laughs> I've, um, I've been missing probably the week before. John was missing last week, which he never does, by the way. This is a first. And uh, today we've got Jazz taking turns. So <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in, uh, I'm in Sydney, so I'm living uh, in sort of some sort of weird house arrest <laughs> oh, situation so yeah we're in uh in lockdown at the moment uh end of the second week of lockdown and it's going to be extended for another two yes weeks so that'll uh that'll be interesting but it'll, it'll give us some you know what's you know we'll have to have a think about what the impact of this will be on the property markets that is correct that is correct it's uh i think i think you know it will be uh, we can't we can't talk without the lockdown and the impact of the lockdown to the property market, given how critical it is, right? So, um, but the figures are staggering. I mean, since last week, I mean, when Jazz and I had the last recording, um, our numbers were floating around, I think, 40 to 50 new cases a day. But now we're looking at, you know, we, we shoot over three figures before, I think earlier yeah. this week, there was one day that's about 107 or something. Um, yeah. And then pull back a little bit yesterday to 70 odd something, which was a welcome change. But today it jumped back up to, 90, I think it was around 96, yes. 97, 97. Yeah. So, um, which just goes to show that when we thought the pandemic was behind us, um, but it's, it's not, it's not. Somehow we still got to have to live with it. And with the start stop, you know, it's certainly causing a dent yeah. in the New South Wales economic. I think it's causing us, what, two, is it $5 billion a week, just in terms of the GDP losses. I read somewhere. A huge dent in terms of our productivity just because all those clo- uh, shops that need to be closed. As a matter of fact, you know, I walk out um, to, to see the shops when I do my exercises. Yeah, a lot of them is just closed. There's no point in terms of opening mm-hmm. in, the current, in the current environment. Um, and, you know, the JobKeeper, well, I'd say, I'd say the mini JobKeeper to a degree. I was doing the announce earlier this week as well to, to help supporting the New South Wales uh, people and Jazz and I also talked about. I think banks starting to have the initiative of allowing people to pause their repayments again, um, just for those who have been impacted from uh, the COVID. So, you know, the epide- uh, the pandemic we thought was uh, behind us, but uh, no, not really. And um, we thought John and I today will probably touch on a little bit about predictions, um, how we think this. Again, how we think this uh, this second round, I should probably call it. I mean, Melbourne's had stage two, stage three, or lockdown 2.0, lockdown 3.0. This is probably a Sydney lockdown two, uh, 2.0, yeah. so second round that we're having, and it's going to be a long one by the looks of it. Um, but having a look at the figures that's being, just, uh, that's being shown last week, uh, according to the Australian House price heat map, Last week, up to 11th of July, we're certainly still able to score a 0.5% change, and that's a positive change as well, which comes to about roughly 2% per month. So I don't think the property market is, is basically reacting to the COVID as such, even though, yes, there's been social distancing, uh, less people at the opens, you know, you can only do private inspections, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the Australians continue to invest and continue to put their faith into property uh, in that in that regards. So, yeah, I thought that was a that was a lead way for us to to talk about um, you know what we think that that the Sydney two point zero lockdown is going to have an impact on the property market. 
is it going to actually um, basically clear the steam that we currently have, or is it not? Is, it, is this just going to be a blip from the from the longer term, from a big picture perspective? So, John, I reckon I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll pass that ball on to you and let you let you start uh, on that. What do you reckon? Couple of thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, so first thing is, I mean, uh, look, it's we you know ninety cases a day. It's a lot. We are a city of five million people, so there's going to be messiness in a free society. So people are going to catch these things. So. I personally have always had struggled with the concept of a lockdown um, for, for free people. I think, you know, when you look at laboratories like the US where some states locked down and other states didn't, and you can compare and contrast similar culture and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure that lockdowns work. Um, I suppose it's not, not a conversation for now, but, um, you know, so it's, it's disappointing to be in lockdown, but uh, but that, that it is what it is. I guess uh, the impact on the property market's interesting, though. And you, you, you spoke about the heat map and you said that, you know, um, property prices went up by half a percent in the first in the second week of July. Mm -hmm. So well and truly into a lockdown, property prices still going up. The, the, for the first two weeks of July, they're up one percent. So, you know, about two percent a month, which is st staggering. I mean, if we think that property markets usually go up about six percent per year, that's uh, what half a percent a month. <laughs> yeah. It, so we you know we're we're doing that a lot a lot more quickly. So the property market's taking this into its stride. Uh, so what do I think? I think I think it's very different this time. Um, just that there's a lot less anxiety than there was the first time we went into lockdown. We didn't know what we were dealing with. <clears throat> we didn't have vaccines and so on, and. Uh, and everyone thought that the sky was falling in, you know, a chicken little running around, head on fire and all these explosions behind them. So we, we didn't really know what to expect. And we thought that this was the end. Everyone was saying at least 30% down. But what happened was uh, people just took their properties off the market. Um, we absorbed and digested and we're still digesting interest rates that are essentially zero. And then they put their properties on the market once things stabilized. This time around, uh, there's not the anxiety. Everyone sort of says, okay, we survived it last time. Uh, and in fact, we, from a property price perspective, we flourished, you know, prices exploded. I don't think people are going to wait for a crash this time. I think people are just going to clip their ears back and just stick to their goals, which is presumably buying a property if, if uh, uh, you know, um, if that's the case. I think the other reason is, I think the other reason why it's not going to have the impact is one is there's just not the anxiety which we've covered. The second thing is people went into this uh, lockdown with finance. So finance is burning a hole in a lot of people's pockets and people don't want to um, allow their, their finance to expire just because they're trying to wait it out to see if there's going to be another crash. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think they're going to use use the finance that they have that, that was so hard to get, presumably, and they're going to go out and buy their property. So I just don't think there's going to be, there's that sort of emotional uh, trauma almost that we had the first time around. I know personally I was very nervous. I actually thought the property prices would go up, but I was still nervous, you know, about income and all those sorts of things. I don't think that's there this time. Um, 
I think there's a lot of support, you know, that, I found that, that people I've seen last time, right, from what yeah. um, job keepers and and all the stimulus that's being that's being in the market, mm. that gives people confidence to go. You know what? You know, if things get really serious, we've got the we got government behind us to support us, and they will do whatever they need to do to be able to continue, um, and you know, not not causing the property crash or the collapse that a lot of economists mm. were predicting last time. It was mainly because of that government support, right? The job keepers, the repayment pauses, etc., which we're starting to see a little bit now this time as well. So, yeah, but that's why that's given people that confidence level to go. Do you know what? Um, you know, it's still it's still the best time to buy. If we are to buy it, then then, then we should do it. In uh, in addition, you know, the amount of money that's been printing and still being printed at the moment. Um, don't forget, you know, I think at the moment RBA is still doing five billion a week uh, mm-hmm. in, in essence, and they're gonna they're only gonna call it back to four billion dollars a week in September. But they're still gonna keep doing it until they see the GDPs, until they see the inflation that uh, that hit their target. So that's a lot of money circulating in the economy, as you can imagine, right? So, um, so that's giving people confidence to a degree. I think. Well, what this what this does, and it's it's probably not the reason for the lockdown, but it's certainly an, uh, a consequence is it mm. it will allow it will take steam out of the market. It'll okay. take steam out of all markets, you know, mm-hmm. from from you know uh, eating out to, to real estate. But it'll take steam velocity, as they say in economics. It'll take that out of the market, but it will also give the RBA permission to leave interest rates lower for longer. And and that's going to be the legacy of the second lockdown. It will prolong low interest rates. Mm. And it will will allow this $5 per month of uh, debt acquisition of money printing, it will allow that to continue without creating bubbles. It's going to take steam out of bubbles, but allow the money printing to continue. So the legacy is going to be low interest rates for longer. It will it will make that possible. How long do you reckon it's going to? How long? Yeah. How long do you reckon this this round of impact it's going to extend it to? Mm. Well, this they've always been talking about 2023, 24. That that is in a sense sort of locked and loaded now. The lockdowns sort of, uh, I guess, uh, knock on um, economic problems into the mm-hmm. future which allow interest rates to stay a bit lower um, I mean you can't you can't have uh, people on unemployment benefits and be raising interest rates so you're you're contracting the economy and stimulating it at the same time so they won't be able to do that um, so yeah I, I just think you know 2024 but 2024 is like a hundred years away um, in 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 RBA terms isn't it like <laughs> who, who knows but it's very very possible that by 2024, we run a boom runs, um, an inflationary boom of sorts runs, and then by 2024, which is again 100 years away, <laughs> uh, we might be needing to loosen again, which is which is interesting. So if you if you think about tw- 2008, we had the credit crisis, we dropped interest rates to combat that, mm-hmm. but they never really put them up until 2016, 17. Yep. When they probably should have been raising the interest rates by 2010, 2011, they didn't do that. So they let these asset bubbles run, property markets, share markets all went up uh, over that decade. Um, and because they didn't put interest rates up sooner, they had to put them up sharper and then drop them even sharper when 
the 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 sort of inflationary bust eventually happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think that if if they leave them low for too long, they're going to have a, a bubble and a crash, and we might be 2024. We just don't know what'll 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 be happening by then. So. The longer they leave it at this low interest rate, the harder it is to put it back up, right? To a point where it's even impossible to be able to even put anything back up, which is, yeah, it's going to take a long time. Might be a five to 10 years horizon until the economy is back in shape, until, you know, uh, wage growth has catches up, et cetera, et cetera, along with the inflation, that's inflationary explosion that we're seeing at the moment with all the asset prices. So, but yeah, it's uh, it, it is it is interesting, and um, yeah, I, I I tend to agree that um, you know it's what's different, as you said, is the confidence that people have this time in the property market. They've seen it, they know all that money has been printed, and it's going to have to go somewhere. Um, so shares were already seen, like what seven ASX two hundred, so currently standing around seven thousand two hundred or seven thousand three hundred, which is one of the highest uh, on record. And property as well, you know, uh, just because of the amount of money that's been flowing and, and the amount of credit that people are able to get cheap credit as well, uh, it is constantly pushing prices up, even in during lockdown times, not what, what we're seeing. So, so do you agree that I don't think it's going to put a lid on it or put any steam off it in the current, in the current even though, you know, this Sydney lockdown 2.0 is obviously um, slowing the market from activity perspectives because a lot of, people a lot of sellers will probably want to postpone their auctions um but but the prices would still remain strong and the prices would continue to trend up like what we're seeing yeah i mean the, uh, when when the last lockdown happened i called it the great cessation i wrote an article about it and called it the great cessation which is to say the market's neither good nor bad the market has stopped there is mm-hmm. no market Mm-hmm. And that'll that'll happen again. Particularly, we you know two weeks ago we thought it would be a two week lockdown. Now we're looking at four weeks at least. So four weeks, yeah. What what'll happen is, um, properties will be withdrawn, and they'll be uh, recampaigned after the lockdown. And that'll mean, and this this is an important thing to take away from this, uh, auction clearance rates won't mean anything for the next couple of weeks. We, you know, we we like to pour over da- data on this uh, podcast. Clearance rates will be absolutely meaningless during the lockdown. And if they drop, that's not a sign that the market's cooling off. It's a sign that the market has stopped, which is a really unusual perspective, but mm. it'll, be a, it'll be another cessation. So, um, uh, so the number of properties won't be for, uh, passing in. They will be withdrawn, and that's what will be driving lower clearance rates. Um, yeah, and and I and I think everyone would just be having their finger on the trigger when the, the lockdowns end, and uh, we can all go back to some form of normalcy. So that's a good point. Um, but does that mean uh, so there's now going to be less stock available um, on on the market because you know sellers are now thinking potentially you know maybe they they thought about putting it on list two weeks ago and now lockdowns in place and go, oh, you know, I can't run auctions in person. Is that going to give me the best results? Which means they might postpone in terms of putting it, the listing online and give it to the uh, give it to the advertising sales agents, mm. which then means there's going to be less stock, which then means there's going to be uh, <laughs> upwards pressure in terms of the remaining, those remaining properties. 
Yeah, yeah, oh, I think that that's right. Yeah. So people are going to withdraw their properties. They're going to wait for things to normalise. But all those people who have got the, the finance burning a hole in their pocket still want to buy. So they're going to be, mm. you know, all, you know, all these buyers piling onto this one little property that, um, that that that's on the market. One thing that's interesting is that during these lockdowns, it becomes a. And this is as a buyer's agent, I can tell you, uh, it becomes an off-market market. So properties are hard to get into. They're hard to inspect. So they get sold quietly. Um, and and that happened a lot last time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So are you seeing, I mean, as a buyer's agent, are you seeing actually uh, a lot more transactions now being done through off-market, through private treaty, instead of doing online auction? Co- correct. Just because it's too hard to hold inspections, but people still need to sell. Yeah. Uh, you know, the suppliers, suppliers tightened up, but um, there are always things for sale. But because you can't run a normal campaign, you invite a couple of select people through who always have buyers and you try to sell it quietly. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, okay. Just out of curiosity, does those uh, off-market uh, actually count or actually get recorded um, into like core logic data, for example? Do you know? They do. Yeah, they, they do. do. Okay, they, do. they still do? Yeah. The, the, the prices are always a bit more opaque. So, you know, prices are with, with, withheld and so on. Yeah, nice. Uh, but they, they do get recorded. Okay. And the other thing is, uh, I know you're you're a bit of a data data person. <laughs> Do you see any differences? I mean, and then this is this is probably not enough data in the last couple of um, weeks during the lockdown. But are there any differences in terms of the sold prices uh, if it's been done through online auction versus being done in person auction? Uh, I've never been to an online auction personally. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I follow properties that have been sold online and uh, yep. I follow the results. Uh, I, I, but I, yeah, I really don't know. I don't think there's an, enough data out there. Um, yeah, that's what I thought, but I was curious. I was just thought yeah. I'd pop the question out there, right? Um, could there be any differences? Um, which could, you know, because ultimately that could impact seller's decision, mm. uh, like I said. So, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think it would? I think pump up prices or oh look, I, it's I, like betting on eBay, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I actually think that because um, it, number one, it's going to be a lot harder to to do an online auction, and a lot of people probably don't even know how, right? Mm. So it needs a lot of education, needs a lot of work from sales agent, and even then, um, they may not they may not make a bid for whoever who wanted to be. Just um, you know, so I don't know. And this is me speaking. I just thinking out aloud. Um, sellers would probably unless they absolutely have to sell they may want to postpone it until until things get back into normal and they want to hold the auction in person which is a lot more exciting when you get to see all these crowd right rather than just getting all these uh all these all these people on a zoom call that kind of stuff and go okay well who wants to make a bid (laughs) so yeah i think an in-person auction would be more emotive and that emotion i'm sure there's uh, it, it inflates prices a little. It inflates bit, um, prices a lot more. So yeah, it probably yeah. it probably suppresses prices the online, but I, I don't think there's any data for that. It's probably just a gut uh, instinct. Mm. Having said that, do you reckon um, because most people are not familiar with online auctions, could there be an opportunity to pick up bargains from the investor perspective? Um, In comparison, because you'll have less competition to a degree. I mean, I'm assuming there will be less competition. So, um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think, so. think okay. I don't think there are bargains out there unless you're buying <laughs> off market and you've got an asymmetric understanding of the market. 
compared to the compared to the seller. So uh, I don't I don't I don't think it would impact. If it's a public auction and everyone has the same information and you've got uh, yep. you know sellers with their stake in the ground at a certain price, I think that it uh, wouldn't wouldn't make that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I just don't think there are bargains in certain markets, and this is this is one of them. I also think you don't you know this will sound strange, but I don't think you want to you want to be a bargain hunter. I mean, if if something sells for a discount, you probably don't want that property anyway. So you've got to be careful not to be a, a cheap chaser. You, you want to get good good deals, pay fair prices, and buy quality assets. Um, if you're getting a bargain, it's probably it's probably for a reason. Well, what I, I guess what I was thinking is maybe for the people could take take advantage of the technology aspects uh, right. in, in comparison to you know having fifty people fifty people crowd that's uh, you know a very heated and very emotional uh, in person auction versus say a 25 people online Zoom auction uh, where most most people may, may not necessarily make a bid in that instance, you know, could it be an option too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just thought that interesting. Mm. All the online auctions I've heard about have had really, really good results. Okay. okay. Uh, but I don't, but you, because we don't know what it would have got at an in-person auction, you can only have, you know, one scenario play out in any, at any one time. Yeah, true. Uh, we don't know if it would have gone for higher, but um, okay. yeah. No, that's good. All right. Well, uh, look. Okay. So I think that's uh, that's that's probably enough chat about properties <laughs> and, and our predictions. Um, but that was a good segue leading into our next uh, topic of discussion, which relates to APRA giving the banks a bit of heads up about: Are you guys prepared for negative interest rates for zero or negative interest rates? Which you know, but funny enough, when I saw this, I know um, listeners who tuned in our podcast last week, Jazz and I were talking about it just then, you know, and I was asking, I still remember ask, asking him, do you think that we're going to go into negative interest rates? And then boom, <laughs> this this uh, article popped up on uh, on Monday from AFR, which, you know, basically you have the headline saying, APRA tells bank to be ready for negative interest rates. And that was very, very interesting because, from what we're hearing and from what the media generally speaking, they've all been talking about, oh, fixed rate at the moment is a record low. It's only going to turn. It's only going to turn. It's only going to go higher from this point. And then this article gets released and go, okay, well, that's a complete 180 to what the media has been saying. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're, telling, they're telling banks not to, uh, to be ready for zero or negative interest rate, which is kind of more following towards what Europe uh, banks are doing at the moment so and that was uh very very interesting because uh we thought um yeah that was um <clears throat> i thought uh, look i'll just going to read out say okay so the just to give our listeners a bit of context the prudential regulator wants banks to be prepared for zero and negative interest rates and has called on them to take all reasonable steps to ensure their technology system can deal with extreme monetary policy settings so this is talking about the monetary settings again, okay? So the APRA said on Monday, it wrote to banks seven months ago, asking them to tell the regulator if they would have any issues implementing negative interest rates. So I think the key here is seven months ago, but of course that information hasn't been leaked uh, until now, basically. So the, R- the Reserve Bank, RBA, has said many times that a negative cash rate would be highly unlikely in Australia. Such a setting could support economic activity by keeping downward pressure on borrowing rates and exchange rates. 
but negative rates could also make it harder for banks to lend and encourage saving over spending. So that was a brief excerpt from the AFR article, but I thought that could be a good segue into our discussion here because, um, you know, John, I, you know, I don't have an economics, uh, economics background, but what do you think, what do you think is the idea of having APRA giving banks that kind of indication so far? Are we looking into a negative interest rate environment or is this just uh, one of those eye-catching articles that's <laughs> try to try to make try to build up that suspension suspension again to say okay well you know are we actually going to head into a negative interest rates or not yeah it's i i think it's um i think it's a logistical question so i think okay. brba has said figure out the mathematics of how it would work because obviously there's something very unintuitive about uh, negative interest rates like mm. uh, you know i the saver essentially lend to you that's what you're doing when you're putting your money in the bank you're lending as an unsecured creditor to the bank, um, and you're and under negative interest rates, you'd be saving and paying them. So you'd be lending to the bank and paying them a fee for the privilege. Exactly. So, so it makes it, it makes no sense really. Um, but but these are desperate times, and you know governments are in incredible debt, and we need to figure out a way to get that paid back. In you know, via inflation, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it was just like figure out the mathematics of it. How would it work? Is it, you know, every year if you've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank account at the end of the year you've got ninety nine thousand? Yeah, maybe. But I think the message was go away and and figure it out. Um, a couple of things about negative interest rates in general is the first thing is we we currently have negative real interest rates. So if we've got interest rates of two uh, percent and inflation of five percent. Um, we have negative interest rates at negative 3%. So we, we, we do have negative interest rates. We, we do have this in an, we have an effective negative interest rate. We just don't have nominal negative interest rates. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a little bit indirect, but if you look at, if you look at the high interest rates of the 80s and then they've been plummeting since, let's say, the late 90s, particularly since say, the year 2000, to, to the present, what, what's actually been happening is we've been, we've, we've, it's been following the baby boomer life cycle. So baby boomers were, they were, they were about 40 in the 80s. They were all out there buying property and spending and all that sort of stuff. And that was our biggest demographic. So interest rates needed to be 20% to put a lid on that enthusiasm. And as they've uh, grown and the, the baby boomers been in the 50s, 60s, 70s and so on, they were no longer investors, they became disinvestors. And central banks around the world have had to follow that life cycle, that demographic life cycle, by countering the lack of or the, the anti-saving of the, the baby boomers by lowering interest rates. So that's kind of what's happening. Now, the reason negative interest rates is possible this decade is this is kind of the end game demographically. This is when, this is the decade we potentially lose the baby boomers. It's also the decade for what is probably going to be a population bomb in China. This is the sort of the culmination of the one child policy, which is which we know has been reversed, but that, that's we're not going to feel that reversal for 30 years. So China's at the edge of a demographic cliff. So is most of the West. Um, maybe they need to go negative 
<laughs> I, I don't really know exactly what I'm saying, but but the, things are going to happen demographically this decade, which are going to be highly um, deflationary, highly deflationary. Um, it'll it'll happen in the form of uh, some sort of a, demo, a demographic bomb, and I, I just wonder if negative interest rates are going to be necessary to uh, counter that underlying deflation. Mm. Mm. Okay. What do you reckon of that? <laughs> That's- yeah, look, I, <laughs> it's interesting you pointed about demographic bomb because I haven't thought of it that way, um, to be honest. I mean, uh, I, I look at it like it's, um, you know, as, you, as we all pointed out, that the interest rate is going to be here lower for a longer period. Um, and RBAs, you're looking at ways on, in terms of having to be able to stimulate the economy and, you know, to be able to s- stimulate that spending people want to spend. So, um, you know, one way they've already done the stimulus, given stimulus out to people, um, so that incentivizes spending. But if they are able to instruct the banks to go negative in terms of interest rate, that means there's absolutely no incentive whatsoever already to be able to put any money in the banks and just use it. But that's going to be even more inflationary in terms of asset prices, mm. even more so. Um, and again, I don't know how this is going to work. But I have a feeling they're just preparing for the worst case scenario. Um, if it does come to that, and if it does need to come to that, um, this is more of a precautionary step to say, can you guys, banks, can you guys actually do a zero or negative interest rate? Have you got systems ready in case that we do need to pull that trigger for an extreme monetary policy that needs to be put in place? Maybe due to lockdown, maybe due to extended lockdown, maybe due to anything else that could, anything that could be upcoming, um, you know, can the banks handle that? Um, and it's just, uh, so I think it might be more of a precautionary, whether we're actually going to go there or not, and whether there's actually real point in going into negative interest or not, I don't know. Um, I mean, we're already seeing pretty much, as you said, it's a negative, real, real, inverted commas, uh, interest rate at the moment, if inflation continues to rise at this point. Mm. Um, and cheap money is still going to be here to stay, and they're still printing cheap money, right? So who knows? Who knows? I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where there's any follow-on messages. Um, but you know, I can already see that based on the response. I think a lot of banks are really screaming. How's that going to work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's the strangest thing, isn't it? You pay to lend. I mean, essentially, that's what negative interest rates are. You, yeah. you pay the borrower to lend. Uh, <laughs> they yeah. actually say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you money so that you can lend," <laughs> which is. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work, but, but uh, if, yeah. If you think about the real estate market right now, right now, so you pay an interest rate of 2.5% mm-hmm. and you're making, let's say, 15% in capital growth. That, we're, we're, we're paying borrowers at the moment. That, that, and, and because we have negative real interest rates, we see the payment to the borrower as capital gain. Yep. If we had negative nominal interest rates, you would see it as cash back to the borrower. Um, but we have we have negative real interest rates now, which is why you pay you borrow at two percent and uh, to earn a twenty percent annual return. Uh, so it's just like it's, it's an indirect, isn't it? Yeah. If you look at it that way, it's yeah. So what I'm saying is, I think we have negative real interest rates at the moment, and yep. that's what we're seeing in the property market. It's the economic effect of negative real interest rates. You borrow mm. two, you earn twenty. Yeah. 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 Okay. Do you think we're ever going to see our real or nominal interest rate really going to go down to negative though? 
Um, Based on what we know now, like, is there any reason for RBA to pull that trigger? No, no, no. not look. You, you never know, and anything's possible. I would be surprised if they went there, and they won't go there soon. That that's the thing. That's why I was saying before, twenty twenty four is a million mm. years away. Yeah. Um, they might need to in the future, but I can't. I can't see them wanting to to do the intellectual gymnastics <laughs> it would take to do negative nominal interest rates. I think they would just try to pump up some inflation. So they get negative real interest rates and they get what they want that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. So I will keep watching this space, I guess, uh, see where there's any follow-on news. Uh, but yeah, at this point in time, I think I tend to agree with you. I don't see how really we tend to, we, we'll go down to the nominal interest rate. It's actually going to go down to negative because it's probably not going to help anything in essence. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the economy is that bad, right? Like it's not, it's not good. And you could, you can make an argument that it's on life support and, well, you know, but it's, the economy is not that bad um, that they would need to do it. So, you know, we're, we're, it's a fairly resilient economy and all those sorts of things. Lots of reasons to be optimistic as well. As a matter of fact, before our Sydney 2.0 lockdown, we were going pretty gangbusters, yeah. right? There was a big rebound in terms of all figures. Mm-hmm. Um, so stronger than ever. Um, yeah. So, and that was somewhat reflected uh, in the unemployment figures as well, because I think uh, the unemployment figure released just yesterday by ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, shows that the unemployment rate has decreased from 5.1% to 4.9%. So it's a great news in terms of, um, you know, the unemployment rate, um, which means, you know, there's been about uh, um, up about 29,000 jobs were created uh, with about 51,000 jobs being full-time. So, um so it's good um, in, in a sense, positive, definitely. So um, um, even though even though lockdown 2.0 is probably going to put a bit of a dent to this, so next month's figure will be interesting again. <laughs> but I think, you know, the, the um, Scott Morrison and, and Gladys Berejiklian has already come to an agreement in terms of the temporary support that's going to give to people. So, you know, I think it was... Um, like, like I said, it's like a mini job keeper. I don't have the details with me, but uh, depending on the, the amount of hours that's being reduced, they, get you, they give you a certain percentage of pay, uh, like a 40%, I think it was, um, to be able to help survive through this Sydney lockdown 2.0. But um, yeah, um, I don't think we'll touch too much into uh, the other stats, but uh, John, have you got any other ones on the unemployment rates? Any other comments on that? No, the only the only thing I'd say, look, there was a Peter Switzer article which he was and he was sort of talking about whether or not yep. um, we should believe the number. He was sort of saying that there's, you know, they report six hundred thousand unemployed, but one point two million people who were working eighteen months ago aren't working now. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I hear what he's saying. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. When I see unemployment figures, when I see inflation figures, the, the individual figure itself I don't think is, is ever really correct because it's always the way you define an unemployed person or inflation. So the, the devil's yes. always in the detail. However, what, what I do buy into is, is the direction. So at the moment, whether it's 5.5% or, or 6.5%, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that the unemployment rate is coming down and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whether the inflation rate is 5% or 10%, I don't know, but I can say that inflation's on the up and then the, the individual numbers, it's all about the methodology, but the trend is what's important. And 
I think in that respect, unemployment's coming down and inflation's going up, and then it's up to us as investors what we do with that information. Yeah, cool, cool, awesome. All right, um, any property data that's worth sharing this week with us, with our listeners? Uh, no, other than it's still a, a dashboard of green, which means prices are still going up. <laughs> still so it'll be interesting up. to see what happens in the second half of, uh, of July. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, all of the news that comes out is about staggering results. It was one in Concord over the weekend, half a million over reserve, cra- crazy stuff like that. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It, it'll, the steam will probably continue to come out and we might trend sideways, but it, it it's hard. It's hard to see into the future. It's certainly prices aren't going to come down. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. And as you mentioned, auction clearance rate at the moment is kind of meaningless. So that's why we yeah. want to talk about it this time, isn't it? Until the lockdown is over, that's when we can start to basically get a true glimpse of how the market is really doing at that point in time. But until then, it sounds like Sydney's still got a bit of lockdown period to go. So, um, yeah, on that note, I hope uh, everyone uh, is uh, taking care and taking safe and, um, you know, avoid having to go out, avoid, uh, make sure if you do um, uh, maintain social distancing, get the jabs in. Um, I know that um, I haven't done mine yet. John, have you have you had yours? I haven't yet, but uh, just I'm not I'm not at a high risk demographic at this stage. Um, <laughs> we'll see i'm not i'm not against it yeah 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 i reckon uh, i reckon we certainly want to get make sure that we all get jabbed as, as soon as we can and the earlier that we can all do it i think the um the, the quicker that we can uh, all get out from lockdowns um at least yeah okay so all right um so that's it for this week's friday wrap um i hope you guys enjoy it any questions and anything any feedback um send it to us spark at gmail.com We'd love to hear, hear from you. Um, anything you like me, you like John, you like Jess to talk about, um, you know, we're always open for ideas and improvements. So don't be shy. Uh, drop us something and uh, let us know what you love, what you dislike uh, as well. You know, we always we always love to hear feedbacks on how we can make this podcast better and uh, suit your needs. Okay, so stay safe, take care, and uh, we'll see you guys again in next week's Friday Wrap. John and David. <laughs>